John chapter 4. We march a little, whoa, hey there, uh, march a little closer to Christmas, mute that one, and that'll help us out a little bit, and then you got to turn these down, all right, um, there you go, that's a lot better, uh, John chapter 4, we'll continue through our series on gifts, gifts with a T, not gifts, that's a next year series, but um, Look at uh, the question today, do you know the giver? And we come across a familiar story, uh, I think, here in Scripture in John chapter 4. Uh, look with me in, in verse number 5. Uh, let's see here, yeah. I might want to turn this up a little bit, but I think we're, uh, maybe it's just me, I don't know. All right, here we go. John chapter 4, starting in verse number 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. So that basically is telling us it's just Jesus and this woman that are there at the well. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water." I want to focus in on that question, if thou knewest. He says the gift, of course, we'll look at that, but also who it is that saith to thee. Ultimately, who it is that is the giver of gifts. If you only knew, do you know the giver? Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. God, we thank you for your word. And this story, many of us have heard before, the woman at the well. Lord, I pray that today you would give us something fresh from it. Uh, Lord, that you would allow us to learn and draw closer of you. And Lord, I pray that in spite of who I am, I pray that today your word would, would pierce through the hearts. Lord, that would impact us, impact our lives today. Remind us of who you are. Um, show us who we are. Uh, Lord, that we will be what you want us to be. So help me to present this clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We come across again this story that is uh, that if you've been in church, you've heard before, and uh, and you you we know different aspects of the story. And again, nothing I say today is going to be new, uh, because if it was new, it would probably be wrong. So uh, it's going to be things that we understand and that we've heard before and things like that. But I I just ask that we that we consider what is here for us. And as we come across this idea of gifts and the giver of gifts. As we look at some, some important, I think, truths of, of who God is and, and what we can have from Him, it kind of goes back to something I've, I've said a lot of if you know who God is, if you truly comprehend who God is, it makes it so much easier to do what God wants you to do. Um, 
if, if, we just, if we don't truly understand or comprehend who God is, we tend to be like the world in the aspect that we go, why is it important that I do what God wants me to do? Because if I don't understand who God is, then I really am so similar to the lost world that just goes, I might as well just live for me, whatever makes me happy, whatever my desires lead to. But if I understand who God is, if I just know who is the giver of gifts, it makes it much more possible, much more uh, motivation for me to do what God wants me to do. So a couple things to remind us about this giver today. Number one, I want us to look at the fact that the giver has a plan. The giver has a plan. This is, this is crucial to understanding God and to obeying God. To know that God is not random. To know that God is not, uh, oh, looky there. Look what just happened. Surprise. Oh, wow. But that God, the giver of gifts, has a plan. Look back in the beginning of chapter 4, in verse number 3. The, the Bible is telling us here that God is departing. He's leaving one place. And verse 3, he left Judea and he departed unto Galilee, into Galilee. And he says there in verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, if you've heard any messages on this before, you understand he, he doesn't need to go through Samaria. It's, it's not necessary. As a matter of fact, other Jews would not have gone through Samaria. It's just not what they were going to do. But it just so happens, I say that in parentheses and sarcastically, that he needed to go through Samaria. Verse number uh, 5. Um, uh, I'm sorry, let's stop there for a second. So we understand that God, Jesus, had a purpose or a plan to go through Samaria. He went to Samaria on purpose. Uh, if you've ever traveled and you've come across, uh, so in college I had a CB radio in my car. Why? Because it was so much fun. And, um, and so, uh, but on trips, if I was driving and uh, there was an accident, this was before, not before GPSs, they existed, but college kids didn't have them. Uh, all right, so, uh, so if you come across an accident on the interstate, you turn on the radio, you click through the channels, and you find truckers talking, and they're going to tell you how to get around the accident. So they're going to tell you, hey, get off on this exit, uh, go east or west or whatever, and you'll come through and you'll come back out on the other end of the accident. It was a wonderful thing. Now the phone tells you all this, but uh, back then it didn't, all right? The phone had the snake game on it, and that was about it. And so... And so you could turn on the radio, CB radio, uh, you could ask for directions, you could say, hey, what's going on up there? And somebody uh, up there closer to whatever was going on would tell you it's just construction, it's working its way through, or it's an accident, it just happened, or it's clearing, or whatever, and you could have an idea what you need to do, or at least how long you're going to be sitting there. Uh, and so there were times where you would end up going somewhere on accident. You weren't planning on going through that town or through that, that, that road, uh, but you were kind of forced to based off of the traffic or whatever it may be. And the same is true before GPS, especially where you took a wrong turn and you went somewhere on accident. You didn't have a plan to go there. I've been with people who like to stop and see things. I don't. When I'm traveling, I like to go from point A to point B and be done with it. I hate traveling. And, uh, but there are people that I have traveled with who as your, my grandparents were this way. We were traveling uh, many, many years ago. Myself, my grandparents, my sister, and my two cousins. And so we're all in the car and we're driving. And 
uh, <laughs> and, and we see the Corvette Museum sign. And my cousin goes, I'd like to see that. And my grandpa says, okay. And so we pull off. We're going from Tennessee to Ohio, pull off, go to the Corvette Museum, waste all kinds of time there. Get back in the car and we start driving and my grandmother sees the sign for Abraham Lincoln's birthplace. And she said, if we stop to look at cars, we can stop to look at this. So we pull off and we look at, so it took us, what was supposed to be a five, six hour trip, took us 10 hours because we stopped and, and, and looked at things that honestly I could care less about, uh, but other people enjoyed, so good for them. So we go and look at these things and, and it wasn't on the plan, it wasn't designed, it's just what ended up happening along the way. We read this story and we see this, what looks to be circumstance, what looks to be just a great opportunity where Jesus says, we've got to go through Samaria and they go through Samaria and, and the, the disciples head off into town to look for food, get food and everything. And Jesus sitting there and just so happens that this lady shows up at a really odd time of the day to get water out of the well. And this just chance meeting of Jesus and this woman. The truth is, is everything was on purpose. The giver has a plan. Jesus does not meet you on accident. Uh, you do not collide into Jesus on accident. Those uh, uh, Hallmark movies where uh, someone's running late, uh, I've been told, I, I do not watch the Hallmark movies, but nonetheless, I'm sure this happens in these, uh, where someone's late and they're running to catch a train and they just bump into somebody and it's love, you know, oh my goodness, he just, he just clocked me, knocked me out, uh, and, and he must be the man for me. Um, does this happen in Hallmark movies? Close to it? Uh, yeah, sure. We know what they are. And so chance just by happenstance, right? And that's how we're told love happens, just by happenstance. Listen, Jesus, the giver, loves me not by happenstance. It's not because he ran into me on, a, on, a, on whatever you call it, train platform. Uh, no, it's because there's a plan and there's a purpose. Jesus didn't meet this woman by happenstance. Everybody could look at it. The disciples could look at it when this was all said and done. And go, man, wasn't it neat that we were here? I mean, I can't we weren't even supposed to be here. No, they were supposed to be there. Because the giver, he has a plan. He meets you on purpose. Look in verse number 7 uh, here. It says, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Again, this is not, this is not the, something that, that Jesus was sitting there and go, oh, I'm going to strike up a conversation with this lady. She just happens to be here the same time that I'm here. She was the purpose that Jesus was there. And I'm telling you, think about this for a second, because the same is true with you and I, but Jesus was there on purpose to talk to this woman, who we'll read about in just a second, had a, had a history, had a past. She was somewhat of an outcast with the women of the, of the, not with the men, but with the women. She was somewhat an outcast, and with some of the men too. But uh, she was not the kind of woman that religious people would think Jesus would want to, want to meet with. But she was exactly the woman that Jesus wanted to meet with. And I'll tell you, I'll, get, I'll jump ahead in the story. It's because revival was about to strike, and it was going to strike because of one person being saved, all right? And so Jesus came, and he knew exactly what needed to be done, and he said, I'm going to go to Samaria. He didn't tell his disciples this. He said, we've, we've got to go through Samaria. We have to. 
and, and he came though, for this purpose. This woman comes up to the well. It's about noon. And if you've heard any preacher talk about this before, you've heard this before. It's the heat of the day. It's the hottest moment of the day. Most women aren't going to come to the well to get water at this time in the day. They'll come earlier in the morning or later in the afternoon when it's not quite as hot. Because they're carrying buckets of water, which I always look back and go, why weren't the men doing this? But anyways, uh, they were carrying buckets of water. This is heavy. This is hard work. And so she comes up to there at an, at an unusual time of the day. And, and it appears that the giver asked to be given to, does it not? He says there in verse number 7, Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Now this comes across, I've always thought this, this comes across as very rude. <laughs> um, but the reality was, is Jesus was there. He had no way to get a drink. There was not a bucket for him. He did not carry buckets with them as far as we know. Maybe the disciples had them all with them, whatever it may be, which is one of the reasons verse 8 says the disciples were gone. They, didn't ha they had the buckets. They couldn't get the water out. He asked her for this drink. And we've got to understand, though, that the giver has a plan. If we can grasp that the giver of gifts has a plan, it's going to help us in our life to follow him. Number two, I want us to see the giver gives personally. He says there in verse number 8 that the disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Jesus met with this Samaritan woman, not only on purpose, but personally. He had his disciples leave. He knew what he was doing. Because we know the disciples' reaction when they come back was intriguing. We'll look at it, I think, here in a moment. But uh, the disciples... There would have been things, just like you remember when the children came and the disciples were like, keep all your filthy, grimy children away from Jesus. That's in the original language. And, uh, and Jesus says, no, 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 suffer the little children to come. The disciples, they had this um, habit, and it was a good one. They tried to protect Jesus. They tried to protect his time. They tried to protect his personal safety. And they tried to protect him in PR moves as well. Hey, you shouldn't eat with these people. Hey, you shouldn't talk to these people. Hey, you shouldn't go here. Hey, you shouldn't do this because it's going to be bad PR. And of course, Jesus knew all this and he knew what he was doing. He had a plan. But to not cause any interruption, to not cause any distraction, Jesus personally met with the Samaritan woman. The disciples went off to buy meat. Jesus waited for the woman to come. And then he had a conversation with her. The giver gives personally. The same is true with you and I. Listen, Jesus will use, God will use people in your life to influence you. He will send people into your life to help you. And he'll send you into other people's lives as well. But ultimately, when it comes to the most important gift that we can ever receive, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life, Jesus does that personally. And he meets with you personally. And he works in your life. And he works in your heart. And he helps you see, I am a sinner. I am in need of a Savior. And without that Savior, I am nothing. Without that Savior, I am, I am doomed. He meets personally. The giver of gifts. He does not throw this gift down the chimney. He does not uh, uh, have, have uh, uh, a... a Nonprofit organization, bring the gift to your door. He doesn't have a church deliver it to you. Yes, yes, there are messengers. And I don't belittle the messengers are incredibly important. But God does not 
divvy out the gift giving. He does it personally. Number three this morning, the giver can overlook your differences. There are people, as unbiased as they want to be, who will not talk to people that are much different than them. Whether it's a social thing, whether it's a race thing, whether it's a gender thing, whether it's a political thing, whether it's a whatever thing, so many people will only talk to certain kinds of people. God overlooks every difference you have with him. In verse number 9, the woman saith uh, to, to Jesus, he says, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, uh, which I am a woman of Samaria? Two different things. First of all, there's a man talking to a woman, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. But Jesus talked to her. And she says there, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Isn't it sad? The Jews who are supposed to be uh, God's chosen people, and we can, that's a whole other study in the New Testament, but anyways, they're supposed to be the example. And man, they hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated them too. But Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. That's why when Jesus said, we got to go through Samaria, there was kind of this thought of, ugh. Right? You know, it's like me telling you, hey, we got to go to Nicholasville. Uh, ugh. We don't have anybody that lives in Nicholasville, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, or Louisville. There you go, Kim. We'll get you, we'll get you in there. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we sit here and we, we, there are certain places, certain places I don't want to go. Growing up, I heard about Gary, Indiana. My mom went to college near Gary, Indiana. I heard stories about Gary, Indiana. I was told kind of, if you can avoid Gary, Indiana, you probably should avoid Gary, Indiana. Chicago, um, at certain times of the day especially, probably a wise place to avoid at times. Right? There's just areas that you know, if I don't need to be here, I probably shouldn't be here. Well, the Jews looked at Samaria as this place, you know, unless you have to go, why? And if you ran across a Samaritan person, you, you look the other way. You turn up your nose at them. They're below us. So Jesus here, he takes race uh, and, and he throws it out the window. He takes gender, throws it out the window here. Not only that, he takes her past and he throws it out the window. Look in verse number uh, 17. It says, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, uh, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, you says thou truly. He tells her to go get her husband, and she goes, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You've had five of them, and the person you're living with, he's not your husband. All right. Now, at first glance, we go, uh-oh, she just got called on the carpet. He just put it all out there. And what he's doing is he's saying, I know who you are. And in spite of knowing who you are, this gift is still available to you. You know, we have a hard time looking past certain things. Hopefully we don't have a hard time looking past race. Hopefully we don't have a hard time looking past gender. 
But a lot of us get hung up on the past issue. Well, but that person, oh, if you only knew what they did. Yeah, it shouldn't matter. And I know that's easier said than done. But it shouldn't matter because the giver, he doesn't care. He still offers the gift. And if God wants to use me to be a messenger, I better go and be that messenger. Because the giver overlooks our differences. Thank goodness he does. Because no matter how, I was saved as a child. The sins that I've committed, most of you have probably committed also. You know, I've never done with the big sins that, uh, that we think of. I've never done anything that could have gotten me thrown into prison. I've never gotten anything that in the olden days would have gotten me flogged. I've done pretty decent in my life. I've been a pretty good person in my life. But my sins condemned me to hell just as anybody else's sin has done. And God looked at me and he said, I know that you're different than me. I am holy, you are wicked. But I can look past that. And here's the gift. And thank goodness he did. Because I'm, I'm more different than God as much as anybody else is. And God said, I can look past that. Here's the gift. This woman, I'm telling you, there were so many drastic differences in this woman and Jesus. But the giver looks past those differences. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The giver has a plan. The giver gives personally. The giver overlooks your differences. Number four, the giver gives really good gifts. I have a gift exchange coming up this week at work. There ain't going to be very many good gifts <laughs> coming in this gift exchange. All right, I mean, I rustled something else that I've had for a while and never opened. I'm wrapping it up and taking it to work. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> they're not going to be great gifts. And Miss Kathy, thank you for it. I, I really do appreciate No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> it's not... <laughs> The giver gives really good gifts. Verse number 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You've met kind people that you just had to smile and say thank you. But in your mind you're thinking, why? Right? I want to be careful. I don't want to say anything that I've gotten just in case I can't remember where it came from. But uh, you've met people, right, who, man, you just you appreciate them. I'll say it. We had the group from Tennessee came, you know, back when they painted and did the different things um, here. And we had uh, water balloon stuff that we did with the kids. And uh, it was those easy fill water balloons. So you got the thing that you screw into the spigot and it all fills them up and they all drop down and whatever. And you're left with these plastic things that it was screwed onto the nozzle. I don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll show you afterwards. One of the kids in the youth group that, that came, he took all of those plastic things and he pieced them all together to form a little sculpture and excitedly came to me and he said, I made this for you. 
And my initial thought, after a kind of a long week and especially a long day, I was drenched. They attacked me that I wasn't prepared for and, and didn't have a change of clothes and can't say I was super excited about. Um, so I'm sitting there drenched. I'd been pelted in the face by water balloons. And this kid comes over to me so excited, one of the younger kids in the group, and he said, I made this for you. And my first thought was to kind of scoff at it. And thankfully, it clicked with me, and I said, thank you, I appreciate that. It's in my office. I got it on my bookshelf as a reminder to me that the smallest of gifts, given in such a, a, a humble and excited way, should be something we treasure. And so I've got it sitting in my office on my bookshelf up there, and every time I look at it, I smile. Because I think about this kid who was so excited that he took something that most people would just toss in the garbage can. And he took them and he pieced them together. I made this for you. It wasn't a great gift. It wasn't something that took more than a couple minutes. It wasn't something that took any money, any sacrifice. It wasn't something that uh, is a grand, you know, great thing. Not every gift we get is a great gift, is a good gift. But the giver of good gifts and perfect gifts is my God. And he gives really, really good gifts. And here he's talking to this woman about this gift that he's offering to her. Water, it's a picture, but water that if you drink it, you never thirst again. And it swells up inside a person, springs up inside a person unto everlasting life. You understand the gift is the gospel. The gift is salvation. And he says, if you receive this gift, it's yours for eternity. I get really flustered with people who say you can lose your salvation. The Bible clearly states it's eternal, it's everlasting. Hello, that's what it means. And God comes and he offers this gift. This gift that this woman, I'm sure she's received jewelry before. Maybe money. Uh, other things. She's received gifts that she probably liked. But the gift that this giver was offering to her was a really good gift. Water. Which I never thirst again. Eternal life. Lastly this morning. I want us to see that the giver proves himself. The giver has a plan. Everything's on purpose. The giver gives personally. The giver can overlook your differences. The giver gives really good gifts. And lastly, the giver proves himself. The woman here, she comes and uh, she hears this, this gift from Jesus. Uh, she, she goes back into the, the town and she tells, verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I, I'm sorry, uh, verse number 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, come, see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out from the city and came in unto him. So she went back and told people, hey, you got to come meet this guy. He's told me everything that I did. And remember, these people in the city knew a lot of what she did. 
But this was a stranger. And he came and he told her everything. So they came out. They came out to see him. And Christ proves himself. Look in verse number uh, 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. So she went in and told people. She was out telling everybody what happened. And many of the city there believed this is the Christ based off of her testimony, which is phenomenal. But look in verse number 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. And they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy sayings, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. He proved himself. And that's what I've been asking of you all is to taste for yourself who God is. To experience it for yourself who God is. Because you can listen to me or anyone else tell you all the great things that God can do. You can listen to me or anybody else tell you about how God's worked in, in my life. What God's done for me. You can hear me tell you what God can do for you. But I'm telling you, my words don't do justice to what God can do for you. And if you will go for yourself to Jesus and say, prove yourself to me, He'll do it. If you take the truths of Scriptures and apply it to your own life and watch God come in and give Himself and prove Himself to you. I'm telling you, there are people who say, preacher, I don't like to talk about money a lot, but preacher, you've said before that uh, you can't afford to not give. If I don't tithe, you know, you say, well, there will be more problems of that than if I do tithe, but you don't see my budget, you don't understand what I can afford, all these kinds of things. And I'm telling you, in my own personal life, I've seen it where we've said, I cannot afford to give this week, but we're supposed to, so we're going to. And we're going to ask God to provide the needs that we have um, that, that, that are left over. And God always has. And I'm thankful it's been a long time since we've been in that exact situation. But we got to come to this understanding that you can listen to everybody else say, man, God provided for me financially. God provided for me physically. God provided for me spiritually. God provided for me whatever. And you say, you know, that all sounds good, but they've never been in my situation. All right, maybe I haven't. But God is able. And he comes to you personally. And he can overlook everything else that you've done. And he has a plan for you and your circumstance. Even though your circumstance is different than my circumstance, God's got a plan for it. God doesn't just take care of preachers. God doesn't view it that way. If you are saved, you're a child of the king. And guess what? The king takes care of his children. As a matter of fact, the king takes care of the sparrow. And the king literally takes care of the weed in the field that looks pretty but is useless. God takes care of that. How much more will he take care of his children? You can doubt all you want to, but all you're doing is hurting yourself. 
because the giver, he's got a plan. He gives personally. He overlooks your difference. He gives really good gifts. And he proves himself over and over and over and over again. What a wonderful thing. He doesn't give bad gifts at all. I said he gives really good gifts, but he never gives a bad gift. That's how he proves himself. I consider myself to be a good giver of gifts. I try to listen throughout the year. I try to pay attention in, in conversations, when, especially when Katie's talking about stuff that she likes and whatever. And I, I always try to go, I, I try to get stuff that's on her list, and I try to go off the list as well for at least something. Get something that she didn't ask for, but that I think that she would really like. And most of the time, uh, I feel like I land in a good situation. But there are times where I don't. Times where I misread something. Times where she was being sarcastic and I didn't catch it. Um, at times, you know, you understand it. There are times where we think, hey, this will be great. And then they get it and they're like, oh, thanks. And you're like, huh, that one didn't quite go the way I hoped it would. And there are times where my gifts aren't great. God's not that way. He proves himself as the giver of good gifts over and over and over again. The question then goes back to verse number 10. Do you know the giver? Do you know who's giving? Do you know what he's giving? Because if you did, you'd be asking different questions. That's what he tells the Samaritan woman. He says, "Thou, if, if you knew the gift that, that, that he gives and who it is that asked to give you a drink, you would have asked a different question. You would have asked of him to give you water versus the other way around. So what questions are you asking God? Do you know who you're asking? Do you know who you're talking to? If you do, it'll change your questions. It'll change from God, Why? To God help. So many times we look at God and we just, we throw our hissy fit at God. Why do I got to do that? Why? The same questions we look at our kids, we look them straight in the eye and we say, don't you ask me that. You don't need to know that. Because I said so. It's the same questions we ask God and we expect a different different response. And thankfully God loves us more than we love our children, which is saying a lot because we love our children. But God loves us more than that. And, and he says, you know, in the, in, in the Gospels when Christ is preaching, he says if a, if a, if a, if a uh, I forget the exact terminology, but a sinful father, he would not give a bad gift. If a son asked for a piece of bread he would not give a snake I might be getting this mixed up but it's the same idea uh, I wouldn't give him a stone whatever it is he's, he's saying he would not uh, uh, even a wicked father is not going to give something harmful to his children so much more would a righteous holy father give to his children and we sit there and we go God you're giving me a bad gift no he's not you're asking the wrong question but if you know who's, 
who's asking, if you know who's giving, if you know who God is, you'll ask a different question. Same is true for the lost world. If they understood who God was, they'd be asking instead of, God, why are you so mean? They'd be saying, God, thank you for being so loving. They would see the gift that God is offering and they would receive that gift. But they don't know who He is. And how shall they hear unless somebody tell them? You understand the importance that our role plays in the lost world? We've got this God who offers a gift of eternal life who according to your admission you've received. What did the Samaritan woman do? She stopped what she was doing. She left her bucket there. I mean, she's going to have to make another trip. She left her bucket there and she ran down to the city and she says, everybody, come meet the giver. And we receive the gift from God and we oftentimes goes, man, that was a really good gift. And we don't tell anybody. If we comprehend who the giver is, we're telling somebody. This woman goes, surely he must be the Messiah. A Samaritan woman telling Samaritans, you got to come meet this guy. He has to be the Christ. And their terminology given to us by inspiration of God in verse 42 is uh, he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the Jews. No, 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 no. The Savior of the world. That should be our response. Hey, you got to come meet this guy. Do you know who the giver is? If you know the gift, salvation ultimately, and you know the giver, what are you going to ask of him? Because that's ultimately the question that he asked the Samaritan woman, right? You'd be asking me, he says, instead of me asking you. What are you asking? Do you know the giver? And if you do, what are you doing with that knowledge? What are you doing about it? There should be an action forward from here. We see this great story of the woman at the well. And there's so much that goes in. You can talk about the well a little bit more if you wanted to and, and why it's there and, and the significance of it. It is very significant. Uh, you can talk through uh, uh, the different aspects of this woman's life and, and what, uh, what uh, uh, God helped her overcome. You can talk about the people of the city and, and their response to Christ, uh, their response to her too. You, there's so much that goes into this story. But may we not overlook the most important part of the story, and it is very simpler, simply, who is the giver? And let's know him better. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for what it teaches us. And God, I'm so thankful that there was no accident uh, in the people in my life who you brought into my life to teach and share the gospel with me. And Lord, that you met me personally and God, that you saved me. And God, I know I've failed over and over again. And I know there have been times where I have lost sight of who the giver was. But God, I'm so thankful that you overlooked the differences between me and you. 
and that you don't stop giving gifts after salvation, but there's so much more that goes in. Lord, may I live like I know the giver. Lord, would you help us today to understand the, the purpose that you've given our lives. God, would you help us to run, run into the city and tell everyone. But God, most of all I ask, would you help us just to comprehend who you are and what you offer to us? Because I know that the comprehension of that will motivate us and push us to do more for you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand exactly who you are. And Lord, draw us into your will to do what you desire for us to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with